God is looking for faithfulness from his followers. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. It's not great speaking abilities that measures people up before God. It's not outward personalities or even great talents. You don't have to do everything perfectly and just be the top of your class. That's not how God measures. God measures faithfulness. You know what that means? That means all of us can be measured on the same level to be faithful with what we've had, what we've been entrusted. We simply abide in Jesus and the power of his spirit. And it's been said, and I love this, it's been said, it's not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. And the likeness of Jesus is in his faithfulness. This is amazing grace. Maybe like some people I know, you're a planner, and there's nothing wrong with that. But while planning is good, we still need to be open and sensitive to the Lord's leading and apply some biblical principles in our decision-making. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll notice some of the principles that guided Paul. We're about to give our attention to his travel plans, and the lessons that flow from it are huge. Let's meet up with Pastor Ed Taylor in 1 Corinthians 16 and learn how to say, if the Lord permits. Most of 1 Corinthians is Paul answering questions that were sent to him by folks in the church. They were going through tough times. The church wasn't what it needed to be. These things are going on, they came to Paul. Hey, Paul, this is what's happening in the church. What are we supposed to do? This is what some people are teaching. This is how some people are acting. There's division. There's carnality. It's not the way the church should be. We need some help. And in response to that, Paul writes them a letter. One of the things I so appreciate about God is that even when things are in disarray, God is not. Even when things aren't quite clear, God is crystal clear. You can always come back to the simplicity of his teaching and his insights. You can come back to the word and God is still there. Even as the church is going here and there and not quite sure what, God is still in the midst of them and he raises up Paul to give insight and direction. Jot this down for homework, would you? Ezekiel chapter 34. In Ezekiel chapter 34, God is speaking through the prophet about the false shepherds of the day. And he speaks how, well, let's turn there real quick. Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 34. Difficulties in the church, difficulties among the followers of God, difficulties with God's leaders are nothing new. Even here in the year in which we live, if we face a few difficulties here and there, it's not new. Whenever you involve humans, you're going to have factors for failures and imperfections. The key is to recognize God's heart for your life and then repent and not to live in it because God's heart is not for false shepherds to oversee his people. In Ezekiel chapter 34, 
In verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel, who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fatlings. But do you not feed the flock? The weak you have not strengthened. Nor have you healed those that were sick. Nor have you bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. And notice the result. The result of bad spiritual leadership that's disconnected from the heart of God is, begins in verse 5. They were scattered because there was no shepherd. They became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. We know that God is speaking not of the physical flocks, but of people. We know that because he gives direction in verse 11. After diagnosing the problem through Ezekiel, he tells them in verse 11, for thus says the Lord God, indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places that they were scattered on a cloudy and a dark day. Verse 14, I will feed them in a good pasture and their fold will be on the high mountains of Israel. They shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring back that which was driven away, bind up and broken and strengthen that which was sick, but I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. You can read the rest of the chapter because those of you that desire to be involved in the ministry of God in any level, in any capacity, which quite frankly is all of us to some degree, we're involved in serving God where we work, where we live. You may have stepped up here in the congregation to serve in various areas. You want to know what is required of you in the power of the Spirit. You can learn that in Ezekiel 34. You can learn what God doesn't like and you can learn what God does like. And my suggestion to you is to fall on the side of what God does like. To be the kind of shepherd that's after God's own heart. Something happened in the church in Corinth. They had gotten off. Paul stepped up to put them back on track because the church is described as the bride of Christ. And I want you to know, even in the worst of circumstances, Jesus will always take care of his church. Despite all the failures of man, how many people might have let you down, how many situations could have gone a better way, I want you to know that you can trust in Jesus. He will take care of his flock. And he'll also take care of the leaders that have let the flock scatter and even scattered them because they haven't cared for the things of the Lord. They've gotten into the ministry for selfish ambition to take advantage of God's people. And I know from the calling that God has put upon my life, I don't want to be in that position. I don't want to stand before God having to give account for taking advantage of the flock. You and I, as a part of the body of Jesus, are very precious. Your family, very precious. Your kids, your aunts, your uncles, your moms, your dads, you are very precious to the heart of God and not people to be taken advantage of. That's 1 Corinthians. What's going on, church? Why are you doing this? And Paul, through chapter by chapter and verse by verse, has shown us 
insights on how to correct some of the common errors that come into any church. It's in the first few verses we learned in chapter 16 that God desires a giving heart. That he's looking for faithfulness as stewards. The stewardship as he was teaching us in the first few verses the last time we were together, he was teaching us about being faithful givers. To give out of an abundance of our hearts, not to hold back. The church was taking up a collection for the hurting church in Jerusalem and Paul reminded them, don't you neglect that. Don't even, I want you to take up the collection before I even get there. I don't want anything to do with it. Just fulfill what you committed to do. You're abund- you're, you are abounding right now, so in your abundance, make sure you take care of those in Jerusalem. And if you weren't here last time, grab the study off the web or get the CD and listen in on God's heart for giving. Make sure you're in that realm. You don't want to neglect your giving your heart toward giving. You don't want to neglect that. You will pay a high price. There is no progress spiritually if there is selfishness in our hearts. And we looked in that in depth. And the Bible says that there'll come a day when Jesus looks at those that have been serving, and I hope to hear this one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. You know why? Because Jesus says you were faithful. That's the measurement. You were faithful. It's so encouraging, isn't it? That God measures us in our faithfulness. It's not great speaking abilities that measures people up before God. It's not outward personalities or even great talents. You don't have to do everything perfectly and just be the top of your class. That's not how God measures. God measures Faithfulness. You know what that means? That means all of us can be measured on the same level. To be faithful with what we've had, what we've been entrusted. We simply abide in Jesus and the power of his spirit. And it's been said, and I love this, it's been said, it's not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. And the likeness of Jesus is in his faithfulness. Remember that. Be faithful. Do what you said you were going to do. Keep your commitments. Go the extra mile. Be a blessing to people, not a hindrance. Be faithful. So with that in mind now, verse 5, we'll pick up where we left off. 1 Corinthians 16. Now, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia, but it may be that I'll remain or even spend the winter with you. That you may send me on my journey wherever I go, for I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. I'll tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. Again, winding down the letter, he's got a few final thoughts. There he is in Ephesus. He's writing and he begins to think about his travel plans. Very practical. I don't believe Paul knew that he was being inspired by the Holy Spirit when he wrote this. He's just being very practical, giving great, simple insights. These are my travel plans. This is what I want to do. I'm going to pass by through. I'd like to come and see you. I may or may not. If I have to stay in Ephesus, that's what I'll do. And I want you to mark a phrase here, very important in this section. He says in verse 7, you mark this. You can circle it, put a little star next to it. If the Lord permits. That is the banner over your life. If the Lord permits. It's so wonderful to remember the sovereign will of God in our lives. If God permits. There are things not happening in your life right now because God hasn't permitted them. That's it. 
God has, we've looked at it in a different context, God has closed a door. He hasn't permitted. He said no. We want to live our lives dependent upon if the Lord permits. Turn over real quick to James chapter 4. It's going to be to the right. James chapter 4. He picks up on this as he's writing. If the Lord permits. What that means is that there's a need for being open and flexible to the Holy Spirit as we're making our plans. Just to be open. Maybe you're headed in one direction. And you're really confident that direction is from the Lord. But God has something else in mind and you want to be open to it. You don't want to press through so fast, so hard. We want to stay open. Notice James chapter 4, pick up in verse 13. Same type of instruction, if the Lord wills. If the Lord permits. Verse 13, James chapter 4. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's just even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. It is not wrong in your prayers and in your plans to lay them before the Lord and commit them to the Lord and say, if you will, Lord, I'm I'm open to your will. This is where I think you want me to go. This is the direction. These are the steps. But I'm open. And if you say no, then I'll receive it. If you say yes, I'll receive it. We don't want to be so rigid that we're fighting against the clear will of God. You so wanted that position. You interviewed for it. You went through five interviews, which pretty much tells you you got it. Until the sixth one. And the sixth one said, no, thank you. How disappointed. Crushing. I mean, you get that far in an interview process, you've pretty much met everybody there that's going to make a, be a decision maker. And you've been out of work for a while. And you could really use the work. It's not exactly what you want, but you're so excited because God has opened the door. And five times you would expect, you expect, hey, this is, this is from God until the sixth one. And then, and then the answer is no. You have to look at getting a new job as if the Lord wills. Who knows why God's saying no? I remember back in my own life, I was a young dad and a young husband wondering, what am I going to do with my life? The job that I was working barely paid anything, and we were barely making it. And in the realm of I was working, one of the options was to go to work for the fire department. You can make a really good living working for the fire department. And I had that type of experience they were looking for. And so there was an opening in a local fire department. And I went through the whole process. The only problem was is that I had a few run-ins with the law. Fire departments don't look too kindly on that. And I was a little concerned. But as I did the application, I was a believer. I I repented all that. I'm not living for the world anymore. I'm sober. I, I love Jesus. And I'm real open. And so on the application, I was very honest. I wrote everything that I could remember of what I needed to put on there. And I wrote it out and I turned it in. And I, I, okay, God, if this is from you, but I really need this. We need the money. Uh, We need the benefits. We need the insurance. We need it. That was my heart. And so I figured that if I put my criminal record on there, that they read it and they would say no right out the gate. Or if they said yes, then I had a good chance. And so I went through the first interview. Great. I went through the second. Great. Uh, they, they put out a list. 
And if however many openings they were, you want to be high on the list. And I just happened to get the postcard. I remember how excited I was. I was number one on the list for one job. And I was so excited. This is from you, Lord. This is my life. I'm going to work at the fire department the rest of my life. And I'm going to have a great opportunity to raise my family and have everything taken care of. It's just everything that I wanted. And then there came the chief interview. That was the interview with the big dog, the chief. And he sat down and I sat in his office and I was well ready. I just so excited. I'm number one, man. This is a slam dunk. He picks up my application and he says, what are these things that you did? And, and I was trying to be clever on my application and instead of saying I was a thief, as I was, I put the, the little number in the penal code of what I got convicted of. <laughs> so he read me the number. I don't remember what it was. It was some petty theft that I had gotten in trouble for. And, and I said, well, sir, I was, a, I was a drunk. I began to share my testimony. And I, was a, I, I stole things, and I'm sorry that I stole things, and I've paid my dues, and I've, I've done restitution, and I'm a different guy. And he, he, he allowed me to speak on my testimony and my heart and, and what was going on, and I just wanted to be honest. I wasn't going to hide anything. And after I was done, he, took, he put the paper down, and he says, well, we don't hire thieves. And the interview was over. And the number one on the list was gone. And I got one of the first lessons in my life of if... The Lord wills. I was greatly discouraged, but God didn't want me to work at that fire department. He didn't want it. I can see it now. I didn't see it then. I was like, oh, what a loser. My past, it's always going to be held against me. And, and it is the consequence of my past. I had to accept that. I had to accept that I, even though I'm a new creation in Christ, even though I'm a new man, I've been born again, the world doesn't see the way God sees. And there will be people I meet in my life that will hold my past against me, that will always think of me now as a thief. Well, I'm not a thief anymore. I wasn't a thief the moment I was born again. I was a new creation, but I was learning a lot of lessons. You see, not working for the fire department, you know what that did? That kept me in this little $10 an hour job that we were barely making it. It kept me there. I worked for a wonderful family. Still in contact with them to this day. And I went in week after week to my job. Doing what I was asked to do and being a faithful employee and barely making it and raising my family. And, and it was that, that company that ended up being purchased by a corporation. And now I'm no longer working for a family. I'm now working for a national corporation. And I began to learn all sorts of things about the corporate world. They gave me all sorts of training, all sorts of opportunity. They gave me a raise and benefits and everything that I would have wanted somewhere else, but God had something else. And then that company got bought by a bigger company. And now we're not just in the nation, we're in different countries. And with that last purchase, opened up a door to virtually move anywhere in the United States with a job. Which, by the way, is a great thing to have when you want to plant a church. And it was that company that ended up moving us out here who had their headquarters right down the street here on Hampton and, or on Parker and Yale. And that was where my office was when I first moved here. But if you would have told me that the day the chief said he doesn't hire thieves, I would have blown you off. Like, you don't know. I, I need money today. 
You know, I'm not, I'm not looking eight years from now. I, I need to raise my family today. But God was showing me, if the Lord wills, you and I, we want to yield to the will of God. And there are things in your life. It might be your job. It might be your career, all your education. It just doesn't seem to be working out the way you thought it was going to work out. Well, listen, if the Lord wills, stay open and flexible. You you may be discouraged. You may go through some things. You may not understand it. I wish I could remove that from you, but you've got to feel that. It'll really help you when you minister to someone else that's feeling the same thing. As you grow through it, though, you'll begin to see the will of God unfold right before your eyes. You'll begin to see it. If the Lord wills, may that be the banner over your life and mine. You're listening to our final study in 1 Corinthians here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. It can be heard online at calvaryco.church. Now, Pastor Ed, as you focused on God's will for our lives, perhaps someone listening right now is really wondering about a big decision they're faced with. Do you have any suggestions that might help them discover the Lord's will in a certain matter that might not be clearly addressed in Scripture? Well, Larry, I think we find ourselves in this place quite a bit where it's just not possible to open up the Bible and turn to a particular passage where it says, yes, go ahead and do this, or no, don't do that. And so one of the things we need to learn to do is when there is not a direct precept We need to learn to make our decisions by principle, by spiritual, biblical principles of the heart and the intent of God on the earth today. So when you're in in that place, number one, a life of prayer. We, We talk about prayer a lot. We know we should pray more. But the reality is, is that our communication with God means everything as He reveals His will for us in our lives, when He helps us to make the decision And more importantly, after we've made a decision, to walk in faith in that decision. And so number one, we want to be in prayer. Number two, we want to to involve godly people in our lives. We want to get good advice, right? If the Bible doesn't specifically address it, then I want good advice. And there are just people I know in life, like I could pick up the phone and call my pastor in California. Uh, I'm surrounded by godly men here at church, pastors that are here that serve with me, that we serve together. Um, I would bounce something off my wife. She is an extremely godly woman. My children, who are now grown adults, are wise and godly, and they have insight on what the Lord has to say, will help me pray. And so you want to pray, you want to be involved with real spiritual, wise men and women. And then I also am looking for in these types of things that peace that passes all understanding. Now, peace is not the only. Don't don't please don't ever use peace to substantiate sin. You know, I, I heard somebody once say, "Well, you know, we're just going to do this because I have a peace." And I said, "But that's sin. What you're doing is sin." He says, "Well, but I have a peace. You you can't you can't have a God given peace over sin. Uh, you can't give have a God given peace to go against wise counsel." Uh, wise biblical counsel. So don't use peace as the excuse to make a bad decision, but the Bible does speak of a peace that surpasses all understanding, that you allow the peace of God to rule in your hearts. And while the Bible may not speak specifically to that situation, the Bible certainly speaks in wisdom around situations that you'll learn how to apply in your life. And ultimately, if it's not sin, and you could go to the left or to the right, and not sin against God, 
God is going to lead you to a decision, and then you just make it by faith. And remember this, even if you make a mistake, God can use that mistake. Uh, as long as you're abiding in Him, you know, the, we were just reading this morning uh, in our staff meeting, without faith it's impossible to please God, but with faith, the opposite of that is true, because with faith you're going to please God. And so go for it, uh, and f- surround yourself and saturate yourself in prayer, surround yourself with very godly people, and stay in tune to the work of the Holy Spirit through His Word, knowing that He will give you a settled peace about an obedient decision in Him. When you're wanting to find out what the Lord's will is on a certain matter, it's wise to turn to the Word of God and see what it has to say. But where do you turn in the Bible? Well, the quick scripture reference for counseling is a helpful tool that can lead you to the answer you're desirous of. And we'll send you a copy for a gift of $25 or more today to Abounding Grace. Call us right now at 877-30-GRACE. Glad you've taken time out for our study in 1 Corinthians. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 